0: Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from UNSHAW.net. Live Poetry Reading The Children's School Lives in Junior Infants Report Number 3 If you Google the abbreviation CSL into any search engine, the first uh, result is generally uh, the free dictionary which lists over 120 different uh, variations of what CSL could stand for. Everything from, I don't know, from the Chinese Super League to Computer Sciences Laboratory to Can't Stop Laughing. In Ireland, um, if you're in education, you might be uh, familiar with the CSL, which is the Centre for School Leadership, certainly if you're a principal who has been mentored or has mentored, um, uh, which is a branch, I suppose, of the IPPN um, and NAPD. However, possibly as important, um, or certainly different but very importantly, is is a Um, a study that's been going on for a number of years called the Children's School Lives uh, study, which uh, has been running. And I thought that I would you know, in the midst of this pandemic when all we're talking about COVID-19 and getting all depressed about everything really because things have been depressing. As I'm recording this, you might hear in the background the wind's blowing uh, despite being in a yellow area. We're in the middle of Storm Barra. Um, But I thought what I might do was to do a live poetry reading of this uh, latest report. It's report number three about children's school lives in junior infants because I think sometimes it's nice to um, talk about something in education that isn't controversial and uh, might be worth listening to because one thing I like about the CSL is this is the voices of children and it's the voices of the people involved in their lives in education. Uh, So I'm gonna go through this report uh, so you don't have to, uh, but even if I, even if you haven't, um, even if you're only going to listen to this, I would really recommend you do look at the CSL report, it's well worth your while, um, really interesting findings, I'm going to go through some of them now. So without further ado, let's get on with it. Hello, hello, you are welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from onshot.net this is Simon Lewis speaking. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with this podcast or are only new to it, um, when you see the words live poetry reading, you might wonder, what am I talking about? Uh, well, I am um, coined, I suppose, I came up with this idea of uh, these uh, reading kind of circulars or important um, things that were sent out to schools. Um, generally, they were, um, I suppose, uh, circulars released by the Department of Education and I call them live poetry readings, uh, pretty much because um, <laughs> most of them are quite boring. Um, I'm only messing. Um, but I, I write a bit of poetry myself, and uh, I kind of thought it would be funny to call them live poetry readings. But ultimately what they are is me um, reading, um, not, not reading word for word um, any of these circulars, but going through them live as I go through them and uh, giving my own sort of immediate um, reaction to some of the stuff that's in it as i said in the introduction um i wanted to do something a little different while we're in the middle of this i mean awful uh, wave of the pandemic coming up to christmas 2021 where there's nothing really lovely is happening in education we've had Three thousand people marching on the streets of Dublin to a to a um, a protest around mask wearing um, and uh, this um, awful sort of situation where people are being manipulated by the by members of the far right into doing things like this. We have a big storm which is pretty much um, causing all sorts of. feelings to be uh, down and out. And in between all that, we are in the middle of this COVID-19 pandemic, which doesn't seem to be going away. So I thought I might do something a little I suppose, I wouldn't call it light-hearted because uh, this study isn't light-hearted by any stretch of the imagination, but it's actually a lovely study where um, the CSL, uh, which is a group of researchers, um, this Children's Schools Lives, School Lives Study, which is uh, a number of researchers led uh, by a number of people that may, uh, the, there's so too many to mention them by name, uh, but it's run by UCD and the NCCA, and it's, it gives a really nice insight because basically, all of the um, research is from junior infant children, from children um, across four uh, 189 primary schools, over four, almost 4,000 children. And it's I think what's lovely is that it, they listen to what children have to say and their experience of being in primary school in Ireland. So what I'm going to do is um, go through this report and uh, I hope that you uh, enjoy listening to some of the things that uh, I... I kind of took from it, Um, it's 48 pages long, I'm not gonna go through all 48 pages in great detail, but I am going to uh, kind of go through some of the statistics and some of my own thoughts on them Uh, as I do this. I do this live, there's no script for this, and every so often I might take a sip of tea, which is right beside me just to catch my breath if you uh, get some weird pauses. Uh, Apart from that, uh, let's get straight into it. Uh, So I'm going to really, I suppose, there's a foreword. Which really talks about, um, this this report and uh, the different perspectives, uh, from the children themselves and in, in junior infants, their families, their teachers, and school principals, um, and it says they converge to provide a rich, detailed picture of the children's first year in school, and the unique part of this really is um that it just uh, that the study incorporates the months just prior to the arrival of COVID nineteen. I I hope that's the last thing time I'll mention COVID nineteen in this podcast, but um. Maybe uh, it, there will be a little bit in this uh, because uh, it also says that it, it also covers the weeks immediately after the first national lockdown in 2020. Um, so let's um, see where it goes. It's a lovely um, uh, f- forward from Arlene Foster, who's the chief executive of the NCCA, and uh, it goes through a bit of an overview of how they do their, um, um, I guess, their, <coughs> I'll just clear my throat here, um, how they do the, the study, but there's basically six overarching themes, and um, the school and teaching cultures, uh, equality, voice and inclusion, well-being, oh, that's a word I don't like to see, but um, look, uh, I'm gonna let it go because I know this is a nice study, engagement, learning outcomes, and school transitions. um and um it is the third CSL publication um and um if you want to read the other two, they're well worth it. I have read them and really, really good studies. It then talks about who, they're, um, who they talk to um, and when they talk to them. So that's pretty much it. So um, it goes on to the sample characteristics um, of the study. And um, so uh, kind of whether the schools that they looked at were junior schools, vertical schools, whether they had dash status, the gender mix of the schools they went to, whether they're Schooling or not, uh, whether they're the ethos of the schools and the size of the schools. So it goes through their... Um, goes through all that, um, and um, that's pretty fine. Um, So let's look at their cohort A. Um, Basically, it represented 20 out of the 26 counties. I'm just skipping over a lot of this stuff because um, some of this is just informational, and in some ways, we kinda want to have a look at uh, some of the interesting things that were part of that. And we get onto that really in, some of the um some of the studies here so four percent of the the schools were girls only schools and seven percent were boys only schools and seven further seven percent were single sex with mixed junior classes so there's in ireland for those of you who don't um and i i suppose what i might do is sort of explain some context here um Particularly, this one here seven percent for single sex with mixed junior classes. We have this weird system in Ireland. It's bizarre, uh, where um, we have a lot of single sex schools, uh, and we're a total outlier in west in the Western world, outside of, you know. Um, outside of i suppose theocracies and i would argue i suppose in a way the irish education system is a bit of a theocracy but uh you know particularly when it comes to single sex schools we have 17 percent of irish primary schools are single sex schools which is shocking um really to be honest with you, when you consider the next highest in europe um is one percent and so that tells you all you need to know about how archaic we are but we have this unusual thing where we have these schools that are single sex in junior classes and then they, um, sorry, are single sex um, after junior, after the junior year. So if junior infants and senior infants and possibly first class. And then boys move on to single sex schools and girls move on to single sex schools. So they mix them while they're little and before the boys and girls corrupt each other. Do you know the way they do? And so, yeah, it's a weird thing. I don't know if there's any other country that does that. Um, so I thought that was kind of uh, interesting and um, another thing they kind of put in was minority group prevalence this is kind of interesting and it said that over three-quarters of the schools had children had some children of immigrant background but these were not evenly distributed so 12% of schools Um, had over 40% of their school comprised of children from immigrant backgrounds, with a further 22% having over a quarter of the children from immigrant communities. And conversely, a quarter of the schools had no children of immigrant background. Now, that is really interesting, isn't it? I I maybe ignorantly thought that every school in the country these days would have uh, children from migrant backgrounds. Um, But it says here a quarter of their study had no children of migrant backgrounds. I, I, I find that astonishing in, in some ways, and I'd wonder why. Um, maybe the report will shed some light um, on that. A third of the principals reported they had children from refugee backgrounds in their schools, but this was less than 5% of the school population. That's, that's higher than I expected, I, I have to say. Um, but a majority principal said they'd uh, so sixty-two percent indicated they'd no refugee children in their schools. As I said, I think that's um that's interesting because again, um conversely, I didn't think that many schools, um would have children from refugee backgrounds. But again, probably my own ignorance, um. Ha, over half of principals responded. 55% indicated they'd no children from the travelling community in their schools, with just over a quarter estimating they had a small number of less than 5%, and 70% of principals estimated the proportion was 5 to 10%. So I, I didn't know, I don't know what the percentages generally would be, but that's kind of um, interesting. Just under three quarters of principals, so 74%, reported there were some children not proficient in the language of instruction attending their school, which is kind of interesting. And I, I wonder um, how that kind of works um, um, in terms of, uh, I'm particularly interested in Wales school now. like I wonder what percentage of children are not provisioned in the language of instruction in those schools. Um, I'm not sure if they actually asked that question. Um, and it said here about special education provision 26 to 40 percent of the school population re- needed additional learning support now that is really really interesting and it actually correlates with a lot of studies that i would have um, i suppose been involved with the national principles forum where we looked at that with the, those sort of things and they do correlate but um you know it's interesting to see that 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 um 37% said only between 11 and 25% need additional support so it's not across the board so different schools have different percentages um and some very little 11% is very low i would say these days and we certainly are only given allocation on the presumption that 10% of our children have additional needs uh, which is uh, which is interesting because that's uh, where, the, where the measurements worked um i i'm just finding some of these statistics kind of interesting so that's why i'm i'm kind of going through them um they talk about academically gifted uh, children um, and that's interesting that uh, 61% estimated fewer than 5% of their population were academically gifted. And it's estimation because it's very hard. We don't have, we don't get diagnoses for that. Um, and behavioral difficulties was estimated to be fairly low by le- by about half of principals. And um, 22% said that up to a quarter of their children had behavioral difficulties, which is kind of interesting as well. Again, no provision is uh, being given to schools for behavioural difficulties. Um, looking at homelessness, um, f- 56% reported that there was no children experiencing homelessness in their school communities, uh, which is interesting um, as well. And the small proportion of principals reported they that some children on reduced timetables, only 10%. Now, that's interesting for a different reason uh, because some of you may be aware of a study from Trinity College um, around reduced timetables, where it was basically where I mean it was an to, to be honest it was an awful study. I think I've spoken about this on uh, my on the podcast before, where schools were being absolutely I mean torn apart for um, the for this uh, I suppose plague of reduced timetables. Only 10% of principals reported they had some children on reduced timetables. That's a tiny number of schools for the amount of furore it caused at the time in the media and uh, and so on. I mean, look, um, I'll be honest, reduced timetables are sometimes necessary, um, but... It's really interesting that so very very few schools actually put children on reduced timetables, and there's obviously reasons for that to be done. So interesting, kind of uh, for me, um, this this kind of stuff. And then they have some quotes from principals, which I'm not going to go through, and a nice a nice kind of chart. So let's look uh, now the key findings for children in junior infants, um, which I think will be kind of interesting to me. Um look I mean when you're asking children questions they just ask them simple questions yes no or don't know questions do you like going to school Um, are you good at your work at school do you find uh do you work hard in class do you like your teacher and have you made good friends in class since you started these are the five questions that were asked and they're touch all of them uh more or less uh, were about between were about 90 percent yeses do do you like going to school it was the lowest at about 80 percent Two eighty-three 83% by the looks of things, which is kind of interesting. Um, but in all of the aspects, very few children said no to any of those questions. Um, children were also asked about their predominant feel uh, feeling um, on their first day of school. Um, that's kind of interesting. Excited seemed to be the most um, prominent, which is kind of nice. So we looked at um, family characteristics, which, which is kind of interesting as well. I mean, for junior infants, so if you look at them as five years old, um, you know when are, when are people having children it seems to be that children um, are being born to uh people uh, between 30 and 35 years of age about 40 percent of parents really interesting to see that six percent of parents were over 46 for junior infant parents which is uh which is kind of interesting and uh, only one percent of people in the study were between 21 and 25 years of age i i that was much lower than I would have expected just kind of interesting um 82 percent of The parents identified as Irish, 2% identified as British, and then there was a total of 33 other nationalities, uh, Polish being the most common, and that was 3% of parents, so more than British. Um, Looking at ethnicity, um, 82% described themselves as white Irish, 12% from any other white background, 4% were from Asian or Asian-Irish background. Um, parents also reported on their child's ethnic background and the composition of bro- uh, backgrounds broadly reflected the parents data which is kind of interesting when the parents um, filled that in. Um, about uh, how long did parents live in Ireland? Three quarters of parents uh, had lived in Ireland since birth which is kind of interesting and um, that not all of them did uh, uh, and 82% described themselves as white Irish even if they didn't, even if that number didn't live in Ireland since birth, um, but most people had lived in Ireland since uh, birth or had lived in uh, or, um, or or sixteen years or more, um, which is interesting. A very small proportion had only lived in Ireland for less than a year, only one percent. So that's um, kind of interesting sort of stuff. Really, um, talked about their education and employment. Some of this is kind of interesting. Um, but probably not relevant for primary education. A lot of it's parent-based. Parently um, nine uh, Going on to that, though, uh, around additional needs, 9% of parents reported uh, their child as having a Ill- long-standing illness condition or disability, which is interesting because that doesn't correlate with the principals that we said before, who were saying up to 25% of their children needed uh, support. But maybe maybe that's not because of a disability. Maybe they just need a learning support. So there's maybe there's no... Uh, Problem there. um but only nine percent of ch- participating parents reported their children received additional support in school compared to the fact that parents are or that principals were saying, up to, you know to an average of twenty six percent of children um, were um uh, displaying additional needs. very, very, very interesting. I think that is. um so some parents aren't aware maybe of that very, very interesting that. So there was a social-emotional development that was uh, looked at, and um, it was kind of interesting, um, you know, that uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, they were asked about their strength and difficulty. I don't know if that's worth going through, really, but some of the, uh, some of the things that are kind of jumped out at me, really, from that um, are that 52% reported an adult in the household read to their child every day. And twenty nine percent said it happened four to six times a day. So when you look at that, that's about eighty three percent of people read most days to their children. That's kind of good to see, isn't it? Um, I I don't know. Um, that's my tea be drinking there. I think that's um, yeah. I think that's a pretty good percentage. Like um, and um, I I you know some in some ways you're kind of surprised maybe to see that because again if you're um reading various reports and things like that, you know, that there's a, there's a sort of, a I suppose, um, a theory that children aren't being read to. And maybe this is parent reporting, so it might be biased. But, I mean, 83% is a fairly high figure, um, you know, in, a, in, any, in any stretch of the imagination. Um, two-thirds of parents then reported there were over 30 children's books in their home. That's huge, isn't it? And 8% of the said there was between 1 and 10 books. And um, so, you know, that's all good really, isn't it? Um, I, I I'd suggest. So pretty good. Then there's a bit of quotes and all that sort of stuff, um, which is which is kind of handy enough. So very, very good. So let's look at the junior infant classes and uh, next. We're halfway through the report, would you believe, and only 20 minutes in it? So I mean it's it's a nice, easy to read report, to be honest with you, and, um very useful. And this is kind of a lot of this is coming from teachers now. So um it looks like class sizes range from eight to 32 children and the average class size was 21 children. That's interesting as well. Nine of the classes were single gender and three-quarters of the classes were single grade classes. 20% were consecutive grade or mixed classes. Oh, sorry, consecutive, so junior and senior infants and then 5% were multi-grade, so more than junior senior infants in them. Uh, so all about kind of the type of the class day, all that kind of stuff, so nothing major there. Um, Around lesson durations, um, very interesting. Uh, this, is, this, I think, was something that came out in the newspapers, actually, which I thought was quite good. Um, what do you cover? Uh, so the teachers are basically asked, how lo- do you cover the following subjects less than the suggested time in the curriculum um, or more than suggested time or about the suggested time? It's very interesting to see what, what, what came out of it. And the big news, really, was 69% of teachers reported that they teach less than the suggested time for religion. Now that to me rings major alarm bells in my head because of the discrimination I always suffer from not being able to teach in a school that is denominational. And t- more, 7 out of 10 teachers do not bother teaching the religious programme to, to, to the required amount of time. And, and that's... That bothers me a lot because if you're going to teach in a religious school you're supposed to teach the religious program and I know and, and the problem I have with all this sort of stuff is you and, and let, let's move away from the CSL study to my uh, about the, the about religion in schools if you want to teach in a Catholic school you have to support the Catholic ethos and that includes teaching the full re curriculum now i'm picking on catholic at the moment because 90 odd percent of schools are catholic schools but the the same goes for any religious school let's say Um, apart from the muslim and jewish schools who have their own separate way of doing things um, and for those of you who don't know it's a good opportunity to talk to you about how religion is taught in schools if you go to a catholic or a church of ireland school Basically, religion is taught throughout the day. Um, In some ways, it permeates throughout the school day. So you can't get away from religion. Everything is swayed by the religious ethos of the school. Now, most famously in Catholic schools, this affects RSE, which is a sex uh, education program, where plenty of the sex education program cannot be taught because it's not in line with the Catholic teaching. So therefore, you're not allowed to about LGBT plus relationships um all, rela- all sex uh, happens within a marry a marriage um, between a man and a woman uh, according to Catholic teaching and um, in Church of Ireland it's it's less um you know it's less dogmatic but certainly there's a core belief that God permeates throughout the day interestingly in the Muslim school and the Jewish school sorry, the Muslim Muslim schools and the Jewish schools they're very much they're, they're treated quite separately you get secular instruction and religious instruction and they're taught separately by different teachers. So in the Jewish school, you have your religious faith formation um, in the morning, and then after that, your secular teacher comes in to teach the rest of the day, and, and they don't really meet, um, they don't permeate uh, throughout the day, the, the, the religious. And similarly, um, in the Muslim school, in theory, that's how it works, although 100% of the population of Muslim schools are Muslim children um, at the moment, as far as I know. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm about 99.9% sure that that's the case so um ultimately though at the same time in teaching you have muslim teachers teaching the religious curriculum and not and you know um regular teachers that's such a uh, but basically there aren't any there's only one muslim qualified teacher in the country uh but um apart from that they have not muslim teachers teaching the rest of the curriculum but basically what i'm trying to say here is if you teach in a catholic school or a church of ireland school and you're not teaching the full re curriculum that's That's, in a way, you're breaking your contract. Um, But not only that, what you're doing, because people... The problem with, with Catholicism in Ireland is people don't take it very seriously. But by not taking it very seriously, they're actually preventing diversity in their teaching profession for example I can't teach in a Catholic school because I'm not Catholic because I can't say with all honesty that I would teach the full RE curriculum I can't say I would uphold the ethos and I would say there's a lot of people who tick the Catholic box in the census who would, be, who would have as much faith in Catholicism as I do and I have none um, so you know something needs to change there and, and the fact anyway I suppose maybe I can look take a positive spin on this the fact that we now know that 7 out of 10 teachers don't teach the full RE curriculum suggests that we it shouldn't be taught. Like if 7 out of 70% of people aren't teaching it, it should be. It should be removed. There is absolutely no point in it being there if it's not being taught um, for, for, for the time it's supposed to be taught. Uh, I'd love to delve deeper into that of how long they're teaching for. The weird one, though, <laughs> just as an outlier, <laughs> I think this is mad, 1% of teachers reported they teach more than the suggested time in religion, it's two and a half hours a week. I mean, like, that's, I think you only teach PE one hour a week. I think it's, that's amazing. Um, that some, that 1% of the study actually said, I the poor kids. Um, oh, no, that's not fair. But uh, the, the only other subject, uh, there's only one subject which is taught for more than the amount of time. And it didn't surprise me, but six out of 10 teachers do this is language. We teach more English and Irish than we should do. And um, in maths, most people teach. The, the 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 same amount pe most people teach the same amount sphe um i was surprised actually in sphe 72 percent of people said they teach the same amount of time of sphe i think it's impossible to teach sphe in half an hour a week and um, so uh, you know in some ways you can kind of take a lot of this a lot of these statistics with a bit of a pinch of salt um, but um anyway it, it, it's interesting you know that uh, that's that seems to be the case um, the second language of the school, so if you're an English medium school, you teach more English, but if you teach in a, in a, a, a but you teach a second language, Irish, um, you know, at the right level, or they'll be about the suggested time. Kind of interesting sort of stuff going on there, really, in a way. Um, I'm not sure really what it teaches us, um, particularly, but quite, quite, quite interesting, I suppose. Um, the other thing that was very interesting, then, was how much do you enjoy teaching the subject? And interestingly enough, going back to religion, most, uh, the majority of people um, as do not, um, religion basically is the least um, enjoyed subject in the curriculum. So nobody enjoys it, uh, very few people enjoy it, and uh, and they don't teach it to the right amount. And as a result um, of ignoring that fact, we're preventing diversity in a profession. Interestingly enough, um, I, I find it very, very, very interesting, 99% of teachers enjoy a lot uh, teaching um, English. It doesn't surprise me, but you know I see English as one of the most overtaught subjects in Ireland, um, which is possibly why we're good at it um, when it comes to Pisa. We actually over-teach it, um, and maybe that's why we perform so well in Pisa. It's just, despite the fact that we're not supposed to teach it for very long, we all teach more of it, and we lo- and we also seem to love teaching it. Very interesting to see the least popular subjects, drama, PE, music, are there with religion and uh, these are subjects where where some schools had specialist teachers coming in for them and there's an argument there again that that might be something that um, you know when when we're looking at the new curriculum or we're looking at different ways of teaching that specialized teachers in some of these subjects might be a a good idea and being more fluid about what primary school teachers do having the same teacher all day may not necessarily be a good uh, a good thing it's interesting that visual arts is quite high up there as well even though it's taught extremely badly in the majority of schools uh, and taught very badly in teacher training um, or initial teacher training whatever it's called these days and um, so a uh, very uh, kind of interesting sort of stuff there Um it goes on about pedagogy and planning um, and you know some of that is kind of interesting enough uh, but um, and it goes on about ability grouping Um, you know nothing nothing you know there's nothing earth-shattering in any of that I I, I wouldn't say uh, so you know I might skip and um, through that a little bit Um, there's some really interesting uh, the next section is really interesting about learning climate where there's statements that people would uh, teachers would either agree with or disagree with and basically the ones that came up as almost unanimous um, uh, agreement where I make a special effort to recognise students' individual progress even if they're below the level of most of their children almost everybody said yes to that Uh, students are told that making mistakes is okay as long as they're learning almost everybody said that That's interesting isn't it and because you know society isn't very forgiving of mistakes after uh, school you know for example I mean um, I'm going to pick something topical uh, such as the mask wearing mandate that happened last uh, last week sorry to bring this up Uh, but the the government made a really stupid mistake in in their um, diktat to make sure schools uh, refused access to refuse entry to ch- children not wearing a mask from a third class upwards—that's a mistake. Um, but the thing is, they didn't apologise for it because the fear is you're not forgiven for making mistakes as adults. And I'd be very forgiving if the government said, you know what, that was a—we made a—we made an absolute mess of that, and um, so we're sorry. And um, so in junior infants, it's okay to make a mistake, but as adults, it's not. We need to we need to do something about that. Anyway, the emphasis is, not, is on really understanding schoolwork and not just memorizing it. That's really good news. Ninety eight percent of people believe that. And um, again, I wonder when that stops when people start learning tables off by heart, um, which is an awful thing to put children through. Uh, the importance of trying hard is really stressed to students. Again, you're almost unanimous. Then it kind of gets a bit more blula, uh, kind of buffer, uh, kind of not clear. Um, you know, I point out. To those students who do well as a model for other students. That was very much um, hit and miss, really. I give special privileges to students who do the best work. Again, a mix of answers, but mainly no. I display the work of the highest achieving students as an example, mainly no, but not kind of unanimous, which is interesting. There's very little in the negatives that were unanimous, and I help students understand how their performance compares to others. And again, very mixed in the results. Although most people said no, so hmm. Um, very very interesting kind of uh research there so they move on to the class teachers then in the uh, findings uh, we're about half an hour into this so i hope you're kind of still with me and interested in what this is because i'm finding all this kind of um kind of kind of useful um and kind of um um interesting and um, so Uh, They talk about the teachers and their gender, their mother tongue. Almost all teachers said that English was their first language with the remaining 2%. So 98% had English as their first language, 2% is Irish's first language. So no diversity whatsoever uh, in terms of mother tongue. Ethnicity, um, all of the participants who opted to report their ethnic background, all, that's 100% identified as white Irish. Now that pretty much correlates with the research done by NUIG in 2019 where 99% of teachers uh, 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 trainee teachers identified themselves as white Irish. Really really oh, disappointing but completely predictable and what are we doing? 2021 remember 50 years ago we had the first black head teacher in England and in Ireland we still have 199 to 100 percent of our teachers as white and irish uh, in terms of religion and religiosity as they put 91 um, percent identified as roman catholic three uh, percent identified as church of ireland and four percent reported being spiritual rather than religious which is kind of interesting that brings you up to 98 percent and so i presume the other two percent were no religion uh, i don't know I, I actually didn't see i don't know what the res- what the questions are but look at that again 94% in this case so in in um 94% is Christian that again correlates to the 2019 study in NUIG where it was 90% Roman Catholic and I think it was 5% Church of Ireland at the time um, so ultimately again this is out of kilter with uh, the general population in Ireland Um, which is kind of interesting it says small percentage reported attending religious service at least once a week um, or every two to three weeks many participants attended religious services only on religious holidays or once per year and 12% never so I'm looking at that as very interesting so more than half of teachers attended religious ceremonies almost less than once a year over half attend religious service they're teaching in a religious school and more than half of them do not attend religious services more than once a year now that's this this that, that's a really key uh, headline for me that's a takeaway for me so more than half of irish primary school teachers do not attend church services more than once a year um i think i think that's something that needs to so like what we have is we don't like teaching a religion we teach it less than we're supposed to teach it, and more than half of us do not attend church services more than once a year. This, this, this all points in one direction to me, and it's, it's. I, I think it's something we need to. I'm just. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, the natural conclusion is obvious, uh, but crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Um. And, and I imagine I. You know. I mean. Yeah. I mean. It also doesn't. You know. I'm just thinking here, squaring the circle of like. Still identifying as Roman Catholic as an adult, yet doing nothing, um, to you know, as a, a Catholic is is really interesting as well. You know, you do nothing, um, to be, uh, to you know, the, the bare minimum is to probably go to church, I assume, as a Catholic. Maybe the bare minimum is to believe in God. I don't know, they don't ask that question. Um, but uh, very, very interesting. Um, four percent reported being spiritual, um rather than religious i'm trying to kind of square off these statistics uh, to see how this kind of works out um interesting though uh the another thing that was kind of interesting but you know maybe may just fun fun fact um over half of teachers reported having other teachers in their family 60% roughly 59% to be exact that's nuts isn't it and um, 27% was an aunt 16% sister and 12% was their mother i don't know if that's the same in other professions I, I i'm the only teacher in my family i i come from a, i come from a, a, no uh lineage of teachers i was the first uh member of my family to go into third level uh but um it's really interesting like you know that 60 percent of teachers have a, a family member that's a teacher like an immediate family in their teacher man i don't know um yeah, I don't, I don't know I don't know what to say about that um, but um, it says uh, anyway moves on to principles then uh, from teachers and the profile said it mirrored mir- the homogeneity uh, homogeneity of the social cultural and ethnic profile evident at national level uh, which is kind of interesting so basically um, it, basically all principles um, mirrored their their teachers um, and you know it's kind of interesting. Um, yeah so I just love children loved kind of I loved school myself especially primary school I was kind of a swap myself in secondary I had to have everything done and stuff I love following the rules and it made sense that's somebody who's teaching your children um, by the way who said that uh, the other person who also started a sentence with the word, so I wanted to do teaching from a young age. Everyone's saying, oh, what are you going to do after the leaving cert? And always it was teaching, teaching, teaching. I think I had such fond memories of school and I always liked school, so that probably helped why I wanted to be a teacher. So, yeah, so um, I guess it's a good uh, word to start a sentence. Um, anyway, we shall move on because they were the two sample quotes that CSL chose uh, to pick uh for the profile of teacher. Talks about their level of education, which is okay, and I suppose not particularly interesting to me, maybe it's interesting to some of you. And um, Their employment status, um, 86% are on a permanent contract, uh, which is kind of interesting, um, and you know, not, uh, yeah, kind of okay. Job stress and satisfaction, this is interesting, because again, I've done studies on this with the National Principles Forum, and, it's it's just basically junior infant teachers' job stress and satisfaction, and um, generally, they would say they are stressed sometimes, frequently or always. Um, so, frequently, so less than half would say frequently or always, which is interesting in terms of stress for teachers. This is um, I've done studies on principals and stress was up to uh, was at least. Um, 80% um, in all studies that we've done but for teachers it was down to about 45% I would say in this case would give and then satisfaction levels are quite high um, actually in, um, in junior infant teachers um, up to 80, 85% roughly are, are satisfied in their job so that's kind of interesting um, I suppose as a, as a, as a kind of a, a question so teachers seem to be still okay um, in, in a way, in terms of satisfaction, but there is definitely a growing sense of stress, though it's still, I mean, it's it's worrying enough that it's about half of teachers uh, would report being frequently or always stressed uh, from their job in junior infants. Um, they ask about the sources of the stress, if they are stressed, um, and, um, you know, they come up with a, a few of the options there. Keeping up curriculum change was number one, and too much admin work was number two. Um, that's interesting uh, to me. And whole school evaluation was number three. Um, so they're very interesting as 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 stressors. Um, you know, they, they would not um, correlate with principals. Um, kind of stressors, which is kind of from this, uh, from my own studies. And interesting, being intimidated or verbally abused by pupils was the least. A stressor or being intimidated or verbally abused by parents was the second least um stressed a stressor and addressing parent concerns was the third least so very kind of interesting factors there and uh from from junior infants teachers um so yeah yeah i don't know so that's all about teachers interesting people don't know what's going on there um in some of those studies but very interesting on the ethnicity for me personally let's move on to principles um they go on about their ages. I don't think that's particularly interesting, only for the fact that um, there's a widespread mix um, of, of, of age groups, really. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. The, I, I don't know, it only for a quirky kind of thing, that um, when they did the study, the most popular counties for where principals have come from. Now, you'd expect... I would assume that the biggest counties would have the highest representation. So we have, um, you know, probably Dublin, Cork, Galway. Uh, But yeah, Dublin has 10% of principals. Guess where the 10% of principals come from as well? The highest proportion, joint top. It's not Cork. It's not Galway. It's not Waterford. No, it's Kerry. Kerry. 10% of principals are from Kerry. I don't know what that says. Very interesting. All of the principals, 100% of the principals said their first language is English. Very interesting again about diversity. And 98% identified as white Irish. Hmm, who were those 2%? Because I'm, that's interesting. (laughs) I always say I'm the only principal in the country from a non um from a non-christian background but i mean that's not to say that christians are white irish so uh, perhaps there are um christian uh school uh, principals out there who identify as christians who are not white irish um i i identify as white irish uh, despite well despite isn't the right word even though i'm not um i suppose i'm not from a christian background or anything like that uh, jewish people tend to be white um or classified as white um 83, this is interesting because it was lower than I thought. 83% of principals reported identifying with the Roman Catholic religion. And Church of Ireland was the second most response with 7.5%. That, that only equates to 91%, of, which means 9% of principals do not identify with either of those faiths which suggests that there are principals in this country who are harbouring very naughty secrets, that they are not of the faith of their school. Again, does this undermine religion and patronage in schools? If nine, almost one in ten principals do not identify with their, um, with their patron. And let's, let's say... Let's, taking, let's add in educate together into the mix, let's say, because you don't have to be a particular faith to be an educate together principal. It still doesn't correlate because 96% of schools are either Roman Catholic or Church of Ireland and only 90% of principals hold those values. So there's a 6% problem there. Um, so we need to... That's, again, for me, that's another massive... Uh, statistic you know i'm focusing here on religion all the time but it is what i'm interested in i suppose you'll probably find other things that are more interested and um, interestingly two-thirds of uh principals reported they had teachers in their immediate families so again similar to um similar to the teachers um, it goes on about levels of education which is grand um, very interestingly though the majority of um principals have master's degrees um, or doctoral um, things over over half which is kind of interesting. So, um, yeah, I thought that was, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Um, so there we go. Um, I'm not, yeah, kind of, uh, there's some quotes there, quite a lot of quotes there, really. Um, but we'll see what they say uh, then. Um, yeah, no, that's it, actually. That, that there's no more to be said. I thought there'd be more to it. Um, that was all they found about principles. I was hoping they might talk about stress levels and principles, just to see if they correlate there with um, with the NPF National Principles Forums uh, study. But there isn't anything there, and um, so that is really it. It's, it's it's a it's a nice short study, really, to be honest. with you're quite quite enjoyed going through it I've obviously got my own angle in terms of religion there's a lot of big question marks that I would have put as headline uh, stories there if I was examining it and um, but there's some interesting other things about you know maybe uh, how many principals have family uh, or how many teachers have family that are also teachers and why is that and is that um, compared to the rest of the population or rest of jobs is that is that a normal thing and um, I don't know are there many uh, computer scientists out there that have computer scientists in their family or many lawyers or many dentists or I suppose there are. Um, You often hear of dentists and doctors who have uh, dentists and doctors as children or solicitors who have children who are solicitors. I suppose you you hear of following your family footsteps. I suppose it's a common thing in Ireland. So I suppose teaching could be no different um but apart from that really uh, you know i thought it was uh, other things about satisfaction in the job um you know what we over teach and underteach is very very interesting as well and sure it was nice to see you know as well uh some of the thoughts of parents and junior from children about schools so you know i i, I don't know that's a, a live poetry reading for you as a sample um i don't know if there's i kind of sometimes go through these and find a bit of humor in them there was no, no humor to be found really in these things uh but uh you know kind of an interesting little bit of a study all the same and uh fantastic work i love it i, I absolutely love this study Um so i'm looking forward to 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 more of it and um, if it comes along and um, so that's um that's your lot really Um so i better head off to the conclusion And here is the conclusion. (laughs) Uh, So, um, yeah, thanks very much for listening to this uh, poetry reading. Um, Not much poetry in it. uh, uh, But I hope you enjoyed um, listening to my thoughts on it. I hope the background rain and storm barra uh, didn't distract you too much. and uh interesting study as I said. if you've liked this podcast, uh, regular podcasts really aren't uh, reading through um, studies, but they are usually about uh, controversial issues in education which I uh, discuss and I decide what I would do if I were the minister for education and then sometimes I talk about issues outside of um that come and go, uh, such as COVID-19 is a a big theme uh, at the moment and I'm doing lots of episodes on that. I've uh, written a couple of interesting, uh, to me anyway, uh, interesting episodes on um, racism in in education. I've written uh, two um, episodes so far around racism um, in in our primary education system uh, because it's something that i'm a bit worried about um which you might uh, look at uh one of the first one was recorded in the summer of 2021 called thank you racists and the second one was just one uh, called um a virus even more dangerous than covid 19 both of which who focus on racism in our primary education system if you've enjoyed this podcast please subscribe and you get uh, which and if you do subscribe that means your uh, the podcast will land into your podcasting uh, platform platform um asap um you know as soon as they're basically released so a bit earlier than i actually talk about them uh, other than that i uh, talk about them on twitter and facebook uh, so you can find out when the next one comes up uh, if you want to review the podcast please feel free and um listen i look forward to talking to you again um, um in the near future all the very best thanks for listening bye bye